This is episode 49 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm talking with Janet Wolanin-Alexander. Janet is a retired science teacher who loves nature and lives in southern Indiana with her husband Jim and their cats and dogs. She boards her horse Highlander at a stable adjacent to state property with extensive riding trails. Janet was born in the big city with a big dream of horse ownership. Achieving it seemed impossible. Alternating bouts of pursuit and denial became incredibly paralyzing. Finally, in middle age and on the verge of abandoning her dream forever, a powerful moment of truth broke the pattern. Suddenly, her dream came true in ways she never imagined, and it's still unfolding. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to have fellow equine author Janet Wolanin Alexander with me today. Hi, Janet. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so very much for having me. Of course. I love supporting fellow horse book authors and learning about your adventures and your love of horses, which is a perfect way to start off our conversation. I always love to ask, how did your love affair with horses begin? I don't really know. I was born in a big city. Um, the only connections I had to horses were uh, the carousel at, you know, maybe a fair, a uh, mounted police horse when we went to downtown to the big city, and of course, television. I was fortunate to grow up into the big Western era in the 50s and 60s. And I watched all kinds of, you know, my friend Flicka and Fury and, you know, Roy Rogers and Bonanza and all the things that I still enjoy watching on MeTV today. Uh, and from there, I just started to go to the, the dime store and bought, you know, horse statues and cut horse pictures out of magazines and pasted them in scrapbooks and just got my fix that way. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I think a lot of us, you know, I, I'm feeling very uh, nostalgic listening to you talk about that because as, as young girls, a lot of us aren't lucky enough to grow up with horses and we start off with the TV shows and the movies and the horse magazines. So that's so lovely. But it did advance and you did wind up being a horse owner. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Oh, it was a long winding road. Um, I, I seized opportunities as I grew up, like uh, if the church group would go take the youth group to a stable for a lesson or my campfire troop would go. We had a beautiful park system. I grew up in Cleveland and one of the stables uh, nearby had a uh, you know, rent a horse for an hour type thing. So I would get, you know, get to do that. Then my dad sat me down one day and he, he said, um, you know, you're the oldest of three and you're, we're going to send you to college. But at 21, I want you to know that you're going to be on your own. I have two more children to put three, put through. And so you're going to have to be able to support yourself. And so take it seriously and be able to have a trade, you know, when you get out. 
So I ended up being a teacher. I did get the car, uh, the old family car that my brother painted green and yellow, like a (laughs) hornet or something. And I moved to a town where there was a college town and there was a stable there. And I lived in a boarding house run by one of the uh, faculty members' wives. And they were divorced. And I bought my first horse and uh, had him for a couple years. And I decided that being single and trying to support a horse on a, you know, a teacher salary was going to be difficult. So I sold him. It still haunts me to this very day that I was disloyal. And I went on to get my master's degree. And then I ended up back in teaching and, uh, but at a, a whole different type of school, had few opportunities to ride. I finally got married in my forties. And a lady soon after uh, offered uh, to sell me one her her horse. He was well trained. He was uh, maybe nineteen. It would have been good for me, you know, because he was so well trained. But we couldn't because my husband and I lived in an apartment, and we were loyal to animals, and we knew, you know, we had no business buying a horse if we didn't even have our own home. So uh, I was really mad, and because all these things I had tried, there were, there are other things too. Uh, off and on through my life had been very temporary. And I was really, really mad at God. I mean, furious at God. I met with his minister one day. I was taking a class to learn more about his religion. And I had to meet with her and I could talk about whatever I wanted. I didn't know what to talk about. And I guess it was on my mind, obviously, because I just like started. I couldn't stop. And I built up to a crescendo and just told her how furious I was at God for being such a tempter. And then just would give me a little taste and then, you know, jerk that away from me. I didn't want a horse. I was too old. It was too dangerous. It was too expensive. It was too frivolous. You know, all the things I had heard. And that was that. So there, God, you can't hurt me anymore. And she just, I thought, then when I got done, I thought, oh my God, she is really going to be angry, you know, a member of the cloth hearing that disrespect for God or, you know, whatever, not disrespect, but, you know, it wasn't holy. (laughs) She just like, it was a woman, which was me, because I had been raised in a faith with only male ministers. And she just leaned to me and she goes, man, this gentle voice. Do you not understand where that love of God came from? God created that in you. And it will never go away until you open that door in your heart and let it in. I have never had such an experience. I honestly felt like I was twirling in a room with no gravity. And I I just was so shocked. And when kind of like, you know, kind of came to reality again, I just accepted that belief. And went home and my husband was there. We had just bought a house. It just happened that we had just bought a house. We, we were living in Kentucky and we moved to, uh, New Alba, or to Indiana. The housing prices were less. And so I told him what she had said. And he said, well, you know, we have our house now. And uh, we moved here because the housing market is less expensive than it is in Louisville. So maybe horses are less expensive here. So why don't you go ahead? and check out what goes into buying a horse and taking care of a horse and how much everything's costs. And we'll look at our budget and we'll see uh, if we can afford it. And I made one call to a friend of mine and said, can you recommend uh, someone in Indiana who can tell me the pricing? 
and she said, oh yeah, my best friend just moved there. She lives next door to a state property with a hundred miles of trail. She trains endurance horses and um, she'll be able to help you out. So I call her and she goes, oh, you don't have to buy a horse. She goes, I have uh, a semi-retired champion that never gets any exercise because we're too busy training. And we really need an exercise rider for him to keep him in shape. Right then, boom. <laughs> so there I had a horse for free to ride as much as I wanted, like he was my own. And it was, a, you know, it was a miracle. I mean, and, and I just thought, wow, all these decades had gone by. And all of a sudden, bam, you know, once I accepted what that minister said, it just happened miraculously. It, it was life-changing. Wow, that's that's amazing. And and that experience actually led to your memoir, right? And that's sort of what inspired your memoir right. at home on a horse in the woods. Tell us about how that experience inspired your writing, this book. Well, I had always written, so I was going to another class at my husband's church, and it was a different minister. And it was a series of classes. And one day she announced at the end of this class, we are going to have a talent show. And I thought, great. I can't sing. I can't dance. I don't know foreign language. I don't play a musical instrument. I can't, you know, I can't cook. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, getting get myself all worked up. And I thought, well, in this church, you're learning how to be less fearful and more positive and take risks. So just calm down. Let's go about it a different way. So you don't feel like you have any talents, but what do you like doing? And I thought, okay, that's easy. I love to write and I love to ride. So nobody else in my uh, group was a rider or a horse person. So I thought, okay, I will take them on a vicarious ride through the woods on the horse I was riding. His name uh, was Dancer. And so I did. I tried to get, you know, all, you know, all the senses involved in my story and so forth. And I read that to the class and they seemed to like it. And then I started sending stories to a horse, uh, a horse magazine and they published a couple. And I didn't get paid, but I saw my name in, in a, you know, in a magazine that was legitimate. And that kind of started it out. So uh, when I retired from teaching... When I was teaching, I had friends, uh, you know, colleagues at school that would read and edit my my works. Uh, but then after I retired, I joined a writer's group and I continued writing and getting uh, going through them. Their writer's groups are wonderful for writing. They really help you, you know, improve your writing and open you to different genres. And it was a great, a great group. So finally, I had a pile. And I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe I could publish this pile. And mm -hmm. then I thought, oh, it'll just be something that I could have, you know, at the old age home when I lose my memory to kind of, you know, bring back my younger days. It turned out that two of the senior members of the group had a writer, they had a publishing company. And they accepted my book and they published it in, in uh, 2017. Wow. So you just sort of stepped into this, this. By looking at what you naturally love, you know, and it goes all the way back. It started with horses from a very young age, and then, you know, you, and you always love to write, and this sort of magically sort of led you forward. I like to call it following the muse, like this is what the yeah. muse wanted for you. Exactly, and, and it's still going. I'm 68 now, you know, so that's been 20, you know, 25 years. 
That's that's wonderful. It's so, like unfolding in so many, you know, it just keeps unfolding. That's it's so powerful and brave to keep following that. You know, it, I, I like to believe that you're never too old to accomplish anything oh, that exactly. you're inspired to take on. I mean, and you you're having a lot of success with your first memoir. So I wanted to ask you, you know, so you got involved with you started writing for a talent show, you got involved with the writing groups and you started like accumulating a pile for your memoir. Was there any structure that you put in place to, to the writing process in order? I mean, did you know where you wanted to take these pages or were you just writing experiences? Like how did you go about actually putting your memoir okay. together? Gotcha. I, I had, I put them all in a chronological order mm. and then I thought, okay, my first one was a poem in childhood. So I thought, well, that's not going to be too grabby, you know, and that would be something better for the end of the book. And so, I don't know, I guess I just thought of the dramatic point, you know, when I was mad at God was the most dramatic part and decided to start there and then trace it forward. Then I decided to go back into my my early 20s when I got my first horse and then back to my childhood. Mm -hmm. And those were just, I had less stories then. Mm-hmm. So that's how I, I kind of try, I start with the drama. So like each chapter uh, becomes like sort of a story in and of itself. And right, then you, exactly. you decide where you want to align them inside the book. So the book has, you know, well, no, that's good. Yeah, and that's, that's the other thing I did. The, the gal in my club is a great, that edited it as a great editor. And I had her edit it. I mean, she had read all the stories because I had presented them, mm-hmm. you know, in my writer's group. But when I put it in that order, The one thing I asked her to do, and I had already done it, but I wanted her blessing, was to make sure that, you know, I wanted her to take the part of someone unfamiliar with me and read all the stories. I had written transition stories where I thought they were needed Mm -hmm. and to see if they all flowed. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what she did during her editing process to make sure that the, the, they were, you know, the continuity. There were some repetitions of different, you know, ideas, but we left them in there just because, you know, the pieces were written at different times and just kept some of those. Like, like I talk a lot about living versus helping me to live in the present. And mm-hmm. I say that several times throughout the book, but, you know, it's a good thing to emphasize. Oh, absolutely. Why don't why don't we talk a little bit about that? You know, it's like the 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 way horses keep you present in in the moment. It, did that is that part of your your healing or part of part of the message inside of of your book? Yeah, you know, I wrote a story about my horse being a guru. I mean, it's like he naturally has everything that you know we strive to to be spiritual, and that means to live in the present and not in the past and not in the future, which is what I did. I hardly ever lived in the present. Mm. They just naturally do that. And they don't make judgments and they just go with the flow and they're, you know, they're unconditionally loving. And uh, I mean, they're just so naturally holy. <laughs> and then we say that, oh, dumb animals. I was like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, they're they're brilliant. And I, I think you were very eloquent in how you just summarize that that and and that's something that equestrians know from spending so much close time with these animals is just how how spiritual and magical and holy they that these beings are and how they bring you out of all the crazy that is human into the moment with them and just being with them and they sense you they feel your energy they know what's going on with you would you agree oh yeah yeah, yeah. 
So you're, I wanted to talk a little bit about your title, uh, At Home on a Horse in the Woods. Would you share a little bit about what the title of your book means and how it like captures or packages the heart of your memoir? It's kind of like a double uh, meaning for the word home. It, it is the woods, and I love the deciduous woods. So it, it is a physical place that I enjoy. I love living where I do because we have four seasons. I don't have a truck and a trailer, so I can't go elsewhere to ride. I board my horse because my husband's not a horse person, and he wants to be not live in the country because he wants to be closer to work. So I ride the same trails a lot. But, you, you know, the seasons make it different, going one way, going the other way. You just, you know, you just kind of be creative to make it fresh. So the woods is also, it's a spiritual place. <clears throat> it's like heaven because it's where I feel calm and I feel happy. I feel blissful. I feel, I can be self-critical and I feel like at, at home with myself. I feel my real self, my better self, my best self. Mm. And it's just uh, a, a inside, I'm in a nice place, as well as outside and relaxed. You know, teaching was a lot of work. And, um, you know, to come and ride after school, I mean, you were pretty buzzed. And just to be able to go and let it all go and relax. I love that. I think that's so, it's so perfect. I mean, it, it summarizes the whole experience for you and what the what the readers of your memoir will experience as well. Is there a message in in your memoir that you hope readers will will grasp when they when they when they read it or after they've finished? Yes, I when I first got my book published published in 2017, I didn't know about the importance of subtitles and so I just chose a memoir. And I didn't realize either that once you get the book published, you're not finished. You're just starting a whole new production, which is selling and promotion and, and so forth, which is not something that, I, you know, that was a big mind switch for me because in teaching, we just served and gave everything away. And to switch to business mentality was difficult for me. So I decided, I found, I just happened on the web to find out that there was another publishing company that was larger, um, had a worldwide, a worldwide distribution, and it did give instruction in how to do the marketing. And I thought, oh, I need that. So I joined that. And one of the lessons I learned was that in the new publisher's opinion, memoirs are hard to grab readers from because unless you're famous, who's going to know about me to want to write about me? They don't know who I am. Uh, so if I were famous, you know, maybe that would, you know, that would be more popular. Mm -hmm. So really what um, I needed to do or was suggested that I do is try to reach out to the reader to switch it from me to them. I didn't go through the normal process, you know, of deciding like what my message was and who my audience was. I mean, I had to do that after I wrote the book. And I, I, it stymied me for a while because I thought, well, I don't know, you know, it's just for me to read an old age home. I was challenged to keep thinking and keep thinking. And so I came up with, it is to encourage other people to take their dreams seriously. And when quit fighting it, Quit, believe, you know, don't take others' dismissals of it uh, to heart. Keep pursuing it. 
when you get stuck, keep going and don't give up because it it's kind of like what you're put on earth. You're, you're calling your being, you're, you're called to be. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't matter if their dream is a horse dream. Everybody dreams, you know. So my, my new title is Journey into Living Your Ultimate Dream. Yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, be a testimonial to, to people of, about my experience and maybe save them a couple decades of struggle. <laughs> <laughs> and and thank you for sharing your story because I love that message. I think that we can all identify with that, particularly authors, because so many of us have dreamed of writing a book and we we get in our own way and we get stopped. And then, you know, we might share our chapters with the wrong person who then stops us even further. And, you know, you have to be persistent. Any dream that comes to fruition behind it is persistence. And and I needed to learn that I couldn't do it all myself. I mean, I was when I was ready to give up, it was because I had tried doing it myself and I felt like a failure. But that's part of that I had to learn. It's it's just part of anybody's dream. You need help. You can't do it alone. I mean, look, you're helping me right now. I mean, so many people have helped me get to this point right now. Mm-hmm. And accept help. It doesn't mean that you're less than, you know, it's it's common. It's normal. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it does take a community to have success around your book. You know, you already mentioned, you know, multiple places where you had support, your writing group, your editor, the, the the readers of your book, you know, being on this podcast. So it's a community and, and, you know, you have, I'm sure you had a cover designer, you had your publisher. So there's a lot of people that are involved in the success of a book, but, but you mentioned, you shared with me that you are an introvert and that is often, it's more difficult to reach out for help sometimes when you are an introvert. Would you, is that sort of kind of where you started and then realized you could branch out? Yeah, yeah, because you know when I was young, there there were no other horse people or horse mm. owners, so I didn't have any you know mentors. So I was on my own personal journey, mm-hmm. and it turned turned out that there are a lot of people. If you read my book, there's a lot of people that helped me, and I didn't realize. But it wasn't that one person did everything for me. Everybody had their piece. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what they gave me. Yes, and I'm glad you shared that. I think that's wonderful, and. What advice would you offer to an aspiring author of a memoir? Is is there any, you know, you've already offered so much wonderful advice, but is there is there one thing that you'd want to share with someone who's interested in writing their own memoir? Well, one thing is to to identify like like you're doing a service by sharing your story. It's scary to share your personal story. So one thing is to to try to get over that. And one person uh, who helped me was a lady in my writer's group. When I got the book, uh, you know, the, the the books all the stories all accumulated. I shared at one of the writers' meetings that I was terrified of publishing this because of opening myself up. And you hear so much these days about cyber bullies and mm-hmm. you know so forth. I I didn't want something. I didn't want to attack, you know, I didn't want to risk disapproval or attack or whatever. And that scared me. And I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to be fodder for some psychologists out there. I just, I just was nervous about it, letting strangers in. And she, she's a dear lady and she's a poet. And she said, well, don't look at it like you're, 
grudgingly letting strangers in look like it like you're open you're you're opening the door to new friends coming in to enhance your life and then I thought wow that's pretty cool and then not long after that I found a geode in my horse's pasture and I thought oh my and this is how my brain works mm-hmm. it's like this is a confirmation that 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 I'm to write the book and let people in because this rock was created with the secret space inside. My heart was created with a dream in it. This rock was created with an empty space with beautiful crystals in it. But you can't see those crystals and you can't see my heart unless, you know, we let you in. So by for me, it was writing my memoir. And for the rock, it's getting, it's cracking it open to let the light in to shine on the crystals. And that really, and then the kicker was, I almost went, whoa, when I realized this. The person sending me that message was G-E-O-D-E minus the two E's. Really lovely that you noticed and found those signals. You know, I, so, so, much, so much of life is fast that, that we sometimes don't notice those things that are, are opening up for us to see to help us along on our journey. And uh, I, I think that's just such a, a special story. And clearly, you are connecting with people and you are inviting new friends in because you have really lovely reviews on Amazon. I, I don't think you have an, a negative review up there at all. Everyone is talking about what an emotional experience they have by reading your words. And, and clearly, you're making a difference for people. How does that make you feel when you, when oh, that, you that makes it all worth it I mean that that is just so affirming and encouraging you know to continue doing what I'm doing that it's, I'm on the right path it's got to feel like relieving and even uh, like really exciting that you accomplish this I mean writing a book is no small feat especially when you're oh. afraid of sharing your message so and so you did this that, that has to give you confidence would you say Yes, it does. But the selling part, is that like, I'd like a little more confidence in that area too. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's good kind of that you're kind of, that I went into it a little bit ignorant because mm-hmm. it, it is so comprehensive mm-hmm. that had I known, I think I might've been a little scared to, to start, but you can't, you know, kind of once you get started, I couldn't stop. Yeah. And it's, and that's the thing with anything, it's like step by step by step. If you ever look at the full big picture of what it means to be an author and write a book, you're going to stop yourself. You just got to take one baby step toward the goal every day. And then suddenly you have a book and then you're on the next, you know, step of the tier. It's like learning how to reach your readers and getting better at sales. And, you know, because when you become an author and you have a book in the world, you actually start a business. And, you know, a lot of authors don't realize that at the beginning. So now you're at the next step of learning where you want to go next. And, and that's the neat thing. I think it keeps you young too, to keep learning. And it's sort of addictive. Like once you get your book out there and you're, you, you want to write another one and you want to learn more about the business and, and it's fun. You keep learning and growing and connecting with people. And meeting such wonderful people, you know, other horse authors. And I've read so many of their books and um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole new community mm-hmm. of Absolutely. very positive, encouraging people who are great exemplars. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you said that because, well, you know, it's it's sort of in the horse people to begin with. And then you just add on the creativity, the writing portion, and, you know, you get this cool tribe of 
horse lovers that also write to, like to write about horses. So it's, it's really fun. For you, what has, I like to ask this question because everybody has a little bit of a different experience around this. For, for you, what has been the hardest part about being an author? But then on the flip side, what's the very best part of being the author? And there's been a little bit of threads of this throughout the conversation, yeah. but I'm just, I wanted to give you that platform to share with other authors some of your experience. The computer part has been very hard for me because I'm so, you know, I, I haven't grown up with that. And right about when I retired from teaching, that all came really in, you know, like files, how you make a file and what's a zip file and, you know, just uh, how you store things and find things again and put things together and send things away in the format. I just, just so much of that is like Greek to me mm. and I don't, I don't enjoy it. I like writing. Mm-hmm. But there's only me and one. You know, I've been told in the business it's good to have two people: one that actually likes to do the craft, and one that likes to do the the computer business end. And I don't have that. Mm-hmm. But I've I'm working on the other book, so I have the pleasure of writing. You know, and I can kind of go back and forth. So that was hard for me. Um, it's hard for me to sell because as a teacher, we never had any intellectual property. I mean, I, I for, for many years, I didn't even have textbooks and had to write everything on my lessons and create them. And so, I mean, oh my gosh, if I got paid for every lesson plan that I created, I'd be a rich woman <laughs> after 30 years of teaching. But you don't think that way, you know, and you just share them at teachers' meetings and you don't, you know, you don't get paid for that. So switching to like, how do you put a price on that? I mean, how, you know, it's, it, that, that's really been a struggle for me. Um, and then the third one is opening up, you know, like we we discussed already, uh, sharing that with people and hoping that they'll it'll be useful to them. Mm-hmm. But I did figure when when I did, you know, release the book, I thought, well, hopefully it will be guided to the person that needs it. I mean, not everybody's going to read my book, so hopefully it'll get in the hands of the person you know, that it's meant to be in the hands mm-hmm. of, you know, marketing is, is a difficult area for me. And also, you know, being open to asking for help. And it's not, it's not that you're a failure because you, you can't do this. I mean, that's what teaching is. You know, if I had to summarize what I learned in my teaching career, it was that you met a person at their level, and then you're at a different level. And your challenge is to translate uh, information at their level that will engage them and bring them a little higher until the next teacher can take them off from that level. It's not to stand up there and, you know, show off how smart you are or how much more you know. I mean, it's to do this in a way that is affirming Mm -hmm. and piece by piece. I think the things that you find difficult uh, are are you're not alone uh there that is the difficult part about being a creative like you're talking about the business side or the things that are hard for you the creation part you really enjoy and you like but then there's this whole other aspect to being a creative where you have to understand the or find people to help you with the business side to actually put your 
your words out into the world. And and that's something I think that that all authors and creatives kind of struggle with. So I'm with you. I like the creative part a lot better than the the business part, but you have to you have to be able to do all of it in order to have a successful author career. So I don't think you're alone. You know, you can't really hire and help because right. you're just starting. So it's like a catch 22. You you need help to grow it, mm-hmm. but you you're don't have the money yet to pay for the help, but there are, there are groups um, like there's a small business association that help entrepreneurs mm-hmm. get started. Mm-hmm. And so they, and they provide, you know, help for free. And then you just get a friend that, you know, that knows something, you know, more, more than you do that's willing to help you out with a piece here and a piece there. And maybe the, the technician at the library, the computer guy at the library will help you with the step. And, you know, maybe your family member can help you and you, you just kind of do what you can to like piece together help mm-hmm. uh, to get you to the next level. Yep. Baby step by baby step. But, but, and it, but it does get, it eventually gets easier and you'll have people surrounding you that are your community to, to help you. Yeah. And I'm hoping that's what this podcast is, does too, is help other authors with resources that we wish we had when we were first starting yeah. out, you know, and the encourage and the encouragement, you know, mm-hmm. to, to understand that you've been, you know, that we've been there and we got through it and mm-hmm. you can get through it and it's worth, it's worth pursuing and doing. It is absolutely. And I think that leads us straight into what's been the best part for you about being an author. You know, you did it. First of all, that's huge. <laughs> I love getting nice reviews. You know, even though we know we're in the right direction, it's kind of affirming to read when someone, um, you know, can relate to it and appreciate it. It's it's really lovely. There is a whole review uh, thing where I don't know if, if everybody's aware of, but I know Goodreads has it and Amazon has it where you can write a review uh, from each book you read and get it posted online for the author and other readers to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reviews are actually very important to authors' careers, and uh, you're you're not alone. Every author eventually creates their work for the reader, so it it really means a lot when our readers let us know that they enjoyed the work. So the other thing that's hard right now is the the virus has kind of changed. Um, you know, like uh, book uh, book events are are not open right now, but that's the good thing about technology too, is people can, you know, use platforms like we're using uh, right now technologically to do promotion Mm -hmm. instead of live events. And, you know, I I think that bears saying that even though you, you don't enjoy the online technology part of the book promotion, you don't have to really do that stuff to actually have success as, as an author. There's, you know, there's speaking engagements, there's book clubs, there's events that you can go to and be a part of, there's your local bookstores. So there, there are still a lot of, in, you know, there's media outlets that you can talk to, magazines, you can, you know, like you were doing, you can freelance write your own articles and give yourself name recognition, recognition that way. So it doesn't, an author career is not solely based on having to understand social media or technology or work with a computer well. I'm actually, I think you work very well with a computer. You got this whole thing up and running and going, and here we are having this great, you know, online <laughs> conversation, no issues. So, so you're learning. I mean, yeah, there was a lovely local lady that um, promised to put me on her podcast, and you had to give me a lesson in Zoom. And then right then, I uh, the one 
a, a bookstore had a, a group of horse authors and um, we were going to have a live event and that got canceled during due to COVID. And so like right after that, they said, hey, we're going to do it on, you know, online. We're going to do it on Zoom. And I had just the day before that lady had taught me how to use Zoom. And then my husband's doctor we, uh, was going to have a, a Zoom meeting. So we needed Zoom. And it's just all of a sudden, like, mm-hmm. boom, 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 boom. You know, I'm getting experience in this arena. It's like finding the geode. You know, Zoom kind of popped up in the similar yeah, way. Yeah. The message that you can do it like this and do it well. So, so in schools, schools are a whole nother place uh, that authors can, you know. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Libraries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. limitless. Yeah. So I just, I don't want anyone to think that they have, they have to be online to be a success. You, you don't have to. There's plenty of authors that don't, and you know, and I think that you're speaking to an age group too, where, where technology is especially challenging. You know, I, I understand it, but you know, I was kind of on the, I I went to college with word processor and I got my first email address when I was, I think a junior in college. And then, you know, so I was on like a transition, but I still kind of grew up with it. You know, I, I understand how difficult it can be having not grown up with any of this. It's like so different. So, but I, it's so frustrating because like once you learn it, just about the time I feel proficient, it changes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like keeping up with that, you know, that wave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, it's constantly changing. But I really acknowledge you for taking it on, though. I'm like, I really acknowledge you for being on the show today, for learning Zoom, for for trying, for asking for help. I mean, that's the only way it, you know, it can happen is just try it, you know, and don't be afraid of it. There's always going to be someone there to help you. And I'm, I just acknowledge you for, for giving it a whirl. (laughs) Oh, thanks. So I wanted to talk to you. I, you know, you also, in addition to writing, you also braid horse hair jewelry Yes. to help help horse lovers celebrate the special bonds they've developed with their horses. Tell us about Mm -hmm. your jewelry and where people can find your jewelry and how'd you get started doing that? Uh, I was trail riding with a an acquaintance one day and she, and I noticed her bracelet and I said, Oh, that's, that's pretty. Where'd you get that? And she said, I got it out West when I was um, on vacation and she goes, it's made out of horse hair. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, it's braided out of horse hair. And I thought, Oh, that's cool. I want to learn how to do that make one out of my horse's hair. Mm-hmm. So that was another long uh, story, a lot of twists and turns, but um, took me several years to find somebody to, to teach me that was local enough that I could get there. I had a practice to learn the skills that were presented. I love it. It's just such a special way to share, to just be with your horse all the time. You're wearing him, you know, and it's it's the bond, you know, between you and your horse. And it's just is really special. So I'll just I wear a couple pieces. This is um I made the chain. I braided the chain out of my horse's tail here. Mm-hmm. And then my girlfriend makes these clay uh, pendants and she painted it. You send in a picture and makes it to look like your horse. That's lovely. For so that's those of you watching us on YouTube, she uh, Janet is showing us her necklace with, that she's made with the horse hair from a horse's tail, I, I'm assuming, right? Right, right. Yeah. Then this is a bracelet I made. Mm-hmm. And then these are the earrings that I made to match the bracelet. Yes amazing oh my gosh and, and this bracelet I made for my second teacher they're they're called twin twin uh bracelets the braid was long enough where I could two, make two bracelets so 
it's our like sisterhood, you know, thank her for teaching me, you know, I'm kind of romantic, I guess, you know, (laughs) I love it. And so if listeners want to put a custom order in with you, can they, how how do people, they they, they, they go to my website, it's called switchtails, S-W-I-S-H-T-A-I-L-S.com. And it has my book and my jewelry on it. My jewelry first, because I started that business before my books. And I'm adding my book as a like a T-A-L-E-S component. Oh, I love that. I'll have tales, tales and tales. That's cute. So if if so, do you do you also have products that you have ready made with the horse no, hair? No, I don't. Uh-uh. Okay, it's so it's just, custom it's, order. Right. I don't like replicating. I mean, I like making everything different because that makes it fresher for me. Yeah. So, you know, a different different color patterns, different clasps touches that make it more personal yeah and clearly made with love i really yeah, that. yeah. You, you make and that's love. a real that's the really neat thing of of that business is hearing the stories i mean they're just someday that's actually a third book now is right the stories that the people <gasps> share with me about how much they love their horses oh my gosh that would be a beautiful book like tell the tales of the tales that you make into these you know what inspired the story for them to reach out to you to want to make a bracelet that I love that I think that that would be a really special special book Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have really had this amazing conversation I've so enjoyed having you on the show and I you know I will obviously link to swish tales uh your website so people can check out where your book is and, and your jewelry but can you also let uh, listeners know where else they can find you and your books? Okay, well, the books, you know, Amazon, any any place that you can buy books, Goodreads. I think Goodreads actually has a list of all the places that it, it, all the bookstores that carry it. But mm-hmm. so if they don't carry it in-house, they can, you know, they can order it. So you, if you want me to mail it to you, just go to switchtails.com and it has like my uh, switchtails at AOL is my email address. And you can just contact me and I can mail you a a signed copy. Oh, people love having personalized copies. That's a great service to be able to, to offer. So I do have, I do have a Facebook business page. It's called switch tails, but T A I L S my original title for the jewelry, but it has the book on it too. And I have a group page and uh, it's called woods of wisdom, W O O D S woods of wisdom. That's great. And I'll link to all those places in the show notes so people can find where you are. And I I have to say, for someone who is nervous and doesn't find herself technically savvy, you are in an awful lot of online places with, with your with your horse or jewelry and your books. I'm that's great. It's been a journey. Janet, I have so enjoyed having you on the show today and I wish you tons of success with with your book and your future books. And thank you for talking with us today and, and sharing your journey. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I mean, this is this has been really fun and it's it's a great step for me. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these QA sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? 
gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.